And welcome back to the First Cup Podcast with Kyle Porter here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Busy week ahead. Kyle's going to be on the road going to the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando. We're going to be able to bring you some highlights from that later in the week. we got the Desert Classic to wrap up. We've got Tiger Woods making his 2019 debut coming up this weekend uh, out at out in Torrey Pines. Uh, Kyle, uh, but first, did your heart break? We spend a lot of time. We do a lot of hand-wringing about Phil Mickelson uh, on this show. He shoots a 60 on the first round. He backs it up. He continues. He carries a 54-hole lead into Sunday, uh, but falls short to Adam Long, who held off both Lefty and Adam Hadwin at the Desert Classic. Uh, his first career win, I'm guessing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was his, it was his sixth career start on the PGA Tour. Phil Phil came in to this tournament with as many major wins as Adam Long had PGA Tour starts. Major wins. That's that's yeah, major, major wins. <laughs> major, win, major wins. And I mean, it, it's, it's crazy because you think about guys like this. So he's a, he's a PGA tour rookie at the age of 31. And when, when you think about a guy like that, you're like, okay, well maybe he won on a mini tour. Maybe he got a win somewhere on the web.com tour. He hasn't won as a, as a professional. He played the McKinsey tour. He played PGA tour Latino America. He played the web.com for like six, five or six years. Whoa. And this was his first win. And not only did it come at a PGA Tour event, it came at a PGA Tour event with Phil in the final group. In the yeah, to to be going down the stretch against Phil Mickelson and to win that battle. And and granted, like Lefty was out of gas, right? Yeah, it was weird because I, see, I don't know if he was like the the thing for me on Sunday was he hit the ball beautifully, and and it's almost like. And he he kind of he kind of said this uh, earlier in the week. He's like, "Well, I was I was kind of rusty. I was, you know, just maybe taking a little bit off with the driver." And it's like, "Well, maybe you should do that more often because you're like in the middle of every fairway." He had 17 of 18 greens on Sunday. Jeez. And I, I, like I get that this is not you know the hardest event or the hardest course, but. He, you know, he he was he was awesome from tee to green, and then he only made forty six feet of putts, uh, which is just it's it's not good. Um, and he he almost saved it at the end with a really impressive like last four or five holes, but uh, he he just he had so many opportunities that he kind of let go by the wayside early on in in the final round. And you know, I I just it was weird because. I didn't. I expected if, like, if Phil didn't win, there was no point throughout the day where I was like, "Well, I, I bet Adam Long takes this." Right, and it, and it, we thought it was going to be Hadwin because we were trying yeah. to figure out what our, our recording schedule was going to be. And at that moment in the tournament, I was like, "Oh man, so you know, Lefty's lost this. Looks like Adam Hadwin's going to cruise." The the Canadian is a, is a is a world class kind of player. Makes sense that he would step up into the spotlight here. But Long went and took it from him too. Yeah. And then the the coolest part for me, Chip, was so so you get to the final uh, green and Phil almost makes a 40 footer, which would have been hilarious. Uh, Hadwin almost holds out from the bunker. Uh, and then Long's got this 14 footer and you're like, well, there's there's no way he's going to make this. Not with I mean, it's it's one thing to do it for 17 holes, but on the 18th hole with Phil staring at you at one point one million dollars on the other side of this putt, it's just it's not going to happen. Right. And he just buries it. And everybody's looking around like, I don't know who was more stunned. Phil was stunned. 
Adam Wong was stunned. He did, he had no idea what he just done. Right. His his wife was stunned. I mean, the whole thing was just it was it was surreal. It really was, and it was cool. I was talking to to my wife about this, and she was like, you know, I I kind of like these events that are not kind of the heart of the season because it gives guys like this an opportunity. I mean, that win changes his life. Agree. Right? Yeah, absolutely. He had, he had made six hundred thousand dollars over the last seven years, and he almost doubled that in one day with he with made, a badass putt going in the, up against a six time major champion uh, Hall of Famer. Yeah, and not only that, but he gets in all these events. He gets his card for the next three year or uh, yeah, three seasons. It, it's a uh, for Phil winning that it it doesn't change anything. Doesn't change his legacy. Barely changes his bank account. Whatever. But for Adam Long to win it changes his life. And that that kind of stuff is, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's pretty cool. Actually, uh, Phil's bank account's all good. He had both uh, road underdogs on the money line, <laughs> and he had the uh, he had the under in Eagles Saints, and he had the over in uh, Chiefs Pats. So he, he went de- four for four. He definitely had uh, both games go to overtime at 85 to one. Right. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, what about you? You mentioned the the whether he made the putt, whether he won or didn't. The the quality of play and the excitement that he brought to the beginning of this tournament. How much can we take away? Because I'm, you know, I'm inclined to maybe shelf some of my concerns. And we've again, we've addressed uh, Phil Mickelson and you know what to expect from him on a regular basis and in the future and in 2019 a lot on this podcast. So has has his performance at the Desert Classic changed at all sort of the way that you're mapping out the way his 2019 year might go? Dude, golf is so stupid. It's yes. like <laughs> I need to clip like that. Phil Phil ends 2018 just kind of just sluggish and just not really doing anything. And then he comes in this week and he's like, "Well, I haven't I haven't you know, worked, worked on my game as much as I would like. And then he shoots a 60 and you're like, what, what, why do we even try to like figure this stuff out? It's just so dumb. Like it, it it doesn't make any sense. I thought, I thought this would be the year and I'm not totally convinced that it's still not going to be the year that Phil, you know, really took a, took a step or a couple steps back from where he's been over the course of his career. Um, but (sighs) I don't know. It was a great performance. It wasn't. It wasn't just like okay, he shot a sixty and then he backed it up with a couple of seventy twos or seventy threes or whatever. He he backed it up with sixty sixes and then almost won the tournament on Sunday. And I know it's not the greatest field, but I just I don't know. I don't know what to do with this with this performance because it was really impressive and it was really good. Maybe maybe guys should just not practice as much. Well, I don't know. It, see, it seems. It seems like you just get into these events and guys – Rory did this at, at Tournament of Champions. He's like, well, I, you know, I kind of been – I've been playing as much as usual and he, he just lights out. I think it's because we're talking about like generationally great golfers in these two examples. And that's yeah. and that where uh, when when it is and, – and not only that, but uh, – well, shoot. Let, let me make sure that I don't like step in it here. But you know how we've introduced the idea that – what if Rory's already peaked? Like we've yeah. already seen peak Rory. We have 100% yeah. already seen peak Phil, right? Right. Like, right, like right. 100% agree on that. And I think that that's, I think that only players of that caliber can duck 
what we normally look at as, uh, you know, not entirely linear trajectories, but at least the idea that you would be building up and that you would need to put together these kinds of performances to be able to have this kind of result. And I think that when you are one of these generationally great golfers who maybe has already put together their their peak play for their game, then you can tap back into it. And it's not until you reach that uh, that, that echelon, until you hit your peak, that you're going to be able to go back into your bag like that. But I think that Phil Mickelson is absolutely capable. And I wondered this. I wonder if this is almost good for, for nothing else, just for Phil, just to be able to see these kinds of scores, to be able to see these yeah. kinds of numbers. And, you know, if not that... Uh, he would ever need trouble focusing him up or get getting himself in the the right headspace for uh you know Augusta or for Pebble uh, later this year but just in general in terms of his approach to the game and his approach to the season i've got to think that there was just a lot of positives and and that that in and of itself could power uh, just a little bit better play than what i was expecting from him Okay, so so two things on that. One, do you think Phil had some sort of uh, parlay bet on uh, his final round score against the the uh, Pats Chiefs total, like the total number there? So the the number there was fifty six and a half. So I don't I don't know I don't know what the plus minus. <laughs> well, well, but but I'm saying they they to- they they scored uh, what sixty eight total. Yeah, and he shot a sixty nine. There was def- money definitely exchanged hands <laughs> over <it's-> that. <laughs> In some way there, but here, here's I, I like I like where you're going with that, and I think that here's what I think Phil should do. I think he should play like twelve events, right, or like thirteen events, and and he, he almost he almost um, and for comparison's sake, what does he play like sixteen, seventeen? No, no, he plays like twenty. Wow, he plays a lot. He he almost plays. I I don't know if that's the right number. We, we could we could look it up, but. Uh, he plays he plays a lot and and he play, he plays more than somebody his age and of his stature uh, you you would you would think they would play and you know maybe maybe we're going to see that he's skipping Tory this week he's not he's not playing for the first time in like 29 years or something he's not playing Riviera and he he's maybe he's dialing it back maybe he is just going to play 12 or 13 events because I think that if you if you play if you're Phil and you only play twelve or thirteen, I just think he gets so tired by the end of the year. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe maybe we see some, and because this is when we saw it last year, we saw flashes. He remember that stretch that that like four or five week stretch last year where he was just awesome, and then he finally won uh, in Mexico. He almost won like Phoenix. He almost won Pebble. Oh yeah, or, or he he at least contended at those, and then he and then he ended up winning. Uh, I I want to see that consistently at a high level throughout the year and not just in february and march good call um before we do get to looking ahead to tory pines this weekend a couple other stars john rom uh compared to what phil mickelson was doing on the course seemed like his storyline flew below the radar a little bit what did you see out of uh the big booty spaniard (laughs) i love that you call it Uh, I don't know if that's going to stick, but uh, as somebody who is a big fan of the tight end Algie Crumpler, I don't know if you remember him, but yeah, yeah just I, I, I like that thick, <laughs> I like that thick backside and what it does for athleticism. So I'm doing this thing. I don't this. I probably shouldn't mention that I'm doing a sit down deal for a prominent 
television network previewing the Masters and and like there's a bunch of us doing different players and Rom is one of my guys. I should definitely toss that in, right? Absolutely. <laughs> As Chip Patterson likes to call him the big booty Spaniard. Cuz then it cuz then it's all on my plate, right? Then, then you're just you're, you're laying you're, it on me. You're going to be watching Masters preview coverage and be like, "Oh, wow, that that's great. Awesome." <laughs> but he finished sixth like pretty yeah, it was, pretty good it was weird because he finished sixth and like i don't feel like i saw him on sunday i mean they showed him a little bit but he was always he, he was like consistently five back throughout the day and it's almost it's almost like at a at an event like this where the winning score is 26 under you right. have to have you have to have the round that's like 63 right or yeah 64. because you're not going to shoot um, four sixty fives in a row. It's just, it's just really hard to to do that consistently over four rounds. So you have to you have to throw in the sixty like Phil did. I think Hadwin shot a sixty three one day, and and he just didn't he just didn't have that. But he played really well. Uh, the guy that that more disappointed me was Justin Rose. Did he, he make? Was, uh, oh, T thirty four. T thirty four and he just he he didn't hit the ball well and mm. you know I don't want to overreact to one event but uh, the switch in iron so he goes from TaylorMade to Hanma or whatever it's called I don't I don't I don't know what the I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right but it, you you always have a you always have a grace period when you're switching up your your bag switching up your clubs I I always get nervous when like guys that are number one in the world are switching everything up you're like ah is that is that a great idea and I get it, like there's money involved and whatever, but uh, that's that's going to be an interesting, I think, early season storyline for for Justin Rose. Uh, over at Abu Dhabi, it was Shane Lowry who took it. Uh, Louis comes in with a top five finish. Ian Poulter up in the top ten. Brooks Kepka at T nine. We also had our eyes on Dustin Johnson. He finishes T sixteen, uh, about nine strokes off the pace. Any any headlines coming from uh, that tournament? Uh, I thought Lowry was was obviously great. I really like him. He's just a fun player. I, I feel like all those, all not all of them, but a lot of the European guys are just fun. You know, they're fun to watch. Uh, they, they play more. Um, it, it's they're not all like this. I just feel like they play more old school golf. Like they they're not like you. You watch these young guys on the PJ Tour, and they all look the same. They all look like Kevin Tway. They, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all like jacked and just hit it straight, and I know that sounds dumb to not like that, but I I think a lot a lot more of the European guys are shot shapers, and they're not all you know cut and 160 pounds just you know loaded up, uh, which makes it I don't know it's kind of endearing, it's kind of fun, and and they're obviously really great players, and I mean I I was thinking about something that you said last week, I thought this was really. I thought this was this stood out to me that you pointed this out. We don't look back. <clears throat> we're not going to look back on the Desert Classic after Adam Long contends at like the PGA Championship and be like, "Oh, that was that was know, when that it started. Was, that was that was it." Well, we might with him, but we wouldn't do that with Phil or Adam Hadwin or somebody like that. But we do reference the early season European events. We mm-hmm. really do. And so, if Shane Lowry goes on to have a good year on when he when he comes over to the PGA Tour and plays the PGA Tour events, I think it's easy to point back to that and be like, hey, you know, that's that was a you know kind of a an inflection point for him. So 
Uh, great, great win for him. Exciting final round between him and and uh, Richard Richard Sterney, Richard Stern. I don't know how to pronounce anybody's name. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. The uh, the the European tour still killing it with the viral videos. The the Tommy Fleetwood content meeting. That you, was awesome. Okay. Did you watch that? Yes, I'd watched the whole thing. It was incredible. It, it was so good. I don't understand how. Those guys are like really good at that stuff. Why? Why like, don't you understand that? Well, Stinson. Yeah, I, I guess I should. Stinson's like legitimately awesome at it. He's well, and Eddie Pepperell's a stud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he's he's like the uh, he really brings the extra flair to that group. Like because as yeah. they, as they, we were looking at the table, because Thomas Bjorn's like kind of like funny and sort of there is the the like wise right isn't he sort of playing the i, I guess yeah. a little more of a b team i would say our top billing was that tommy fleetwood henrik stenson eddie pepperell like they were the three amigos of that of the from a comedy perspective yeah westwood and bjorn are are definitely into it and and but they they just don't have the the presence acting. yeah they like legitimately there is good camera presence and acting <laughs> skills from pepperell stinson and fleetwood it's incredible it's inc- it really is incredible and props to the to the european tour for I, I they just they just keep cranking out awesome stuff it's it's really cool and i think there's it's so interesting because we talk about the we only talk about this during the Ryder cup for whatever reason but there's such a camaraderie on the on the european tour i i just it's hard for me to imagine the PGA Tour getting Dustin Johnson and Jason Day and uh, I don't know Justin Thomas in a room to like do this like funny skit like Saturday Night Live like skit. Yeah, I've got a theory. Like, I just I just can't imagine it. Can you? Uh, my theory is that Golf Boys ruined it. <laughs> I, I think that they had one shot and it was just the wrong time. It was the it was the wrong time. It was uh it was. It, it didn't hit in quite, or maybe just like the way that uh, we thought about viral videos or viral campaigns was just a little bit different. But I, I just think that golf boys uh, so quickly became something that was like not celebrated as much as it was mocked. Yeah. 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 But I, and I also think that it's, <laughs> there's a fine line between like the European tour doesn't do a lot of content, but everything they do is awesome. Right. And there's, you know, there's, I think the PGA tour just like wants to like, what are our numbers? You know, how much, how much are we producing? How much, how much stuff are we putting out there? And when you do that, it gets, it gets really difficult to produce high quality stuff. Hmm. I'm going to, by the way, I'm not going to go deep on an entire, uh, quality over quantity, content discussion now for fear of my own livelihood by the way uh phil last year 24 events wow phil phil in 2017 22 2016 22 he played 19 in 2015 21 21 22 21 so he's consistently over 20 which is it's a lot for him it's a lot uh all right we will turn our attention to tory pines right after this Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Tiger back, baby. He's back. Let's go. It's a great field. Uh, and what, Rory playing too? Rory, Ricky, Rose, Rom, <sighs> Jason Day. When when are you going to do your uh, expert picks Pen- and everything? Pending, pending allergies. Uh, expert picks come out on, I'm writing them on Monday. I think they come out on Tuesday. Um, and then you'll be in Orlando until when? Yeah, so I'm going to the PGA Merchandise Show from Tuesday to Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. So I come back Friday afternoon. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a weird week because you've got this. You've got a lot of people in the golf industry like just hanging out in Orlando, and then you've got Tiger like across the country in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like this great event. You know, the first first CBS event of the year. Um, you know, we always joke about how there's like three opening days in, in uh, to a PGA Tour season. It's like the Safeway Open, which is a fake opening day, uh, the Tournament of Champions, which is sort of opening day, and then uh, Torrey Pines, which is the first network event, usually the first time Tiger plays, which feels like the real opening day. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be obviously a great field, probably the best field other than maybe even a better field than the tournament of champions. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about it. Excited well, about Rory playing. Well, all right. So this is the, there are there five events in the California swing? Uh, uh, yeah, but I think Phoenix, so it goes, uh, it goes desert classic. It goes Tory. It goes Phoenix pebble and then Riviera. And That's then right. I think Mexico, Mexico is after that. Got it. Um, when we are looking at, uh, the, the, the tiger woods, angle to this is going to be like very very intensely focused on breaking down every little bit and so how are you preparing yourself because i i think about the um you know the the radio hits or the cbs sports hq hits i i am preparing myself for whatever contributions yeah come holler at your boy on that thursday friday live blog cbssports.com <laughs> running it all day uh like i'm i'm very much prepared for like if he could have a very just average putting day and the questions are going to be like, so, I mean, Tiger can't get his putter under control, right? Chip. I know. And we're just going to pick apart every tiny thing. And that's why I almost, you know, I, I didn't want to dissuade uh, anyone from following our incredible coverage, but doesn't, <clears throat> I, I, I'm just sort of preparing myself to already want to pump the brakes on anything. Like if he doesn't have a good day driving, then he didn't have a good day driving. Like it's just, I, I really want to preach patience with our analysis of Tiger Woods here in the first event of 2019. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Obviously I always agree with that sentiment, especially within golf. But I think the, the interesting part here, and, and this is sort of what I've been talking about on HQ over the last week or so, because we, we always start our tiger coverage like two weeks in advance <laughs> I know. is, uh, he finished top 25 in this event last year and he came in, I mean, it was a very ambiguous, there was a lot of ambiguity around him coming in, right? Because we didn't, I mean, we saw him at the Hero in 17, and you're like, well, it's, you know, the fairways are like 900 yards wide, and I don't, what do I make of that? And then he makes the cut by a shot, and then he finishes top 25. He didn't contend, but he's just, his ability and his 
uh, history at this place is so ingrained that it's almost like if he doesn't make the cut and if he doesn't have at least a like I don't I don't need him to top five, but if he misses the cut, you're like, okay, I mean uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's something. You know, it's not like oh Tiger's gonna have a terrible year, but I I don't think it's nothing just because of his history here and, and even what he did last year uh, coming in with, with off the, off the fourth back surgery and, and playing pretty well. Tiger Woods worst score um, at Torrey Pines this coming weekend over under 73 and a half. That's it's so dependent on the wind and remember that year that uh, Snedeker won and he, and like the, there was like half the field shot in the eighties. No, but I'm going to have to he, go look it up now as part of my preparation. He won on a Monday, and it was this weird thing where, I mean, I think he wanted it like over par. He shot like a, but it was like one of the rounds of the year because he shot like a 69, and and that the field average was like 70. It was legitimately 79 or 80. PGA Tour win over par. <laughs> uh, Would you say 73 and a half? 73 and a half. I'll say his highest score is is under. Under, is yes. under that. Yeah, because I was I was thinking out loud, and honestly, man, like just because of the positioning of of this tournament and you know other responsibilities that it'll include that include college football and college basketball, like my my institutional knowledge of this event is a little bit shallow. So I'm I mean I'm going to go back and I'm going to have to go see some highlights of this Sneds and the wind uh, win right there. But I I was wondering if and let's see, it's uh, first professional win for Tiger Woods was here, correct? First prof- no, uh, first professional win was at uh, Milwaukee, I think. Oh, or that was his that was his first start. His first, I can't remember his first win. But he's he's got multiple wins at Torrey Ponds. Yeah, he's got eight. So he's got seven. <laughs> okay, all right, yes. He's so- got seven <laughs> Farmers Insurance Opens and then the U.S. Open in 08. His first professional win was uh, Las Vegas in 96. His ah. first professional start was Milwaukee in uh, 96. So-, so he won six tournaments in, five tournaments in. I was wondering if just based on Tiger's uh, history and his comfort and his institutional knowledge of the course, I was wondering if that is where we should set the bar. Like, yes, he might not be able to have it. And we saw during 2018 times where Tiger is just out there grinding and he's hitting some awesome shots, but he's hitting awesome shots to be able to avoid uh, a bad score. Like he's, he's pulling himself out after uh, making mistakes and that is where we're seeing the greatness, but it's not consistent enough that he's pushing the score real low I think that it is reasonable to expect that he won't be posting a 75 and that was I think where I was going with that it's the idea that what are the expectations well he might not you know be excellent but we definitely should not expect him to be poor in terms of his performance at Torrey Pines yeah even last year he shot uh he didn't shoot anything over 72 wow and that was I I mean I just I mean, think about last year. Like he talked about, he didn't have a swing for the first half of the year, and 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 all this different stuff. And and you're like, if that's the, I don't know, if that's the baseline, then it it, it shouldn't be worse than that. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. So um, what about the rest of the field? By the way, so 2016, Snedeker shoots 69 in the final round. Second place uh, was KJ Choi. He shot a 76. Holy K. 
cow. Uh, nobody else. Dustin Johnson shot an 80. Uh, ben Crane shot an 81. I mean, there's just, it's just Scott Brown shot an 87. I think he was in the final group, as I remember. Goodness. Angel Cabrera, 84. Brian Harmon, 86. I mean, it was a bloodbath. It was awesome. So, so this was recent. <laughs> yeah, it was 16. Right. And it was, I can't, there was something weird. Like, they finished on a Monday. And so I think that maybe Snedeker played some of his round not in the worst conditions. I don't know. It, the whole thing was bizarre. But uh, yeah, rest of the field, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm fascinated to see Rory there um, because it's going to be it's going to be a lot different than he talked about his driver a lot at uh, Tournament of Champions and how he wants to hit more fairways. He wants more accuracy off the tee, and that's easy to talk about at a place like Kapalua because again, it's like Hero World Challenge with fairways. It's going to be a little different at Torrey Pines. I'm interested to see if he uses that sort of stinger cut drive driver that we saw at Kapalua because that was awesome and this is a place where he could I think hit that a lot uh Ricky's 2019 debut uh Rose bouncing back from what was you know Rose came into Desert Classic last week 14 of 15 top 10s worldwide and finished outside the top 30 in a pretty weak field so I'm interested to see how he does uh I can't remember is is DJ playing this week I don't. He, I know that uh, he was in Abu Dhabi, so that's that's quite a turnaround. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. See, I I wonder, I wonder if Justin Rose, uh, that excellence that we saw over a window, I wonder if that window is going to close, and not necessarily all because of Justin Rose, but just that he can't be like the golf is too good right now. And Justin Rose is uh, at a point in his career where to expect him to be contending for that number one spot in the world uh, over a, like a two-year run, I think would be a little aggressive. And I wonder if I, I just and that's that is not predicting anything based on his level of play, but especially with the the result this week at the Desert Classic, I'm just going to go ahead and throw that into the conversation that that maybe we end up drawing brackets on this recent run by Rose and we're like, all right, that was, that, that was kind of his moment. Like that was, that was him during this particular era, uh, sticking his head up, grabbing the flag, but then it's just going to be really, really tough for him to hold on to it. Well, and, and I think the, I think the point there is that when you're, when you're at that level, when there's like 10 guys that could be number one in the world pretty easily, and it's and it's so competitive and it's so hard to stay up there. Any any shift in any of the variables that go into what you do can affect that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if you're if you're changing clubs in the middle of that, and again, like I, I think people like overreact to club changes because I don't know whatever these guys are are so good. But it even like a minor thing like that, I think can can affect uh, your your sort of longer-term trajectory. So I, I, I really do think that's an interesting uh, kind of sub-storyline because here's the thing, Chip. Like, Rose has been awesome at the Masters for the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so I think that he's one of the guys that isn't being talked about since we're already talking about the Masters. He's not really being talked about as somebody who either can or should win it. 
but I, I really think he's one of those guys. And but but if this if this equipment change affects him, then all of a sudden he gets bumped off of that, and you're looking at you know maybe you maybe you put a Brooks Kepka in there or a, or a Justin Thomas or somebody like that. So that that is a it, I I. I like where you're going with that and I think it could be a real thing but so much of it is is retroactive like we don't we have no idea how how it's going to play out over the next six months or you know two years no not at all I think that's part of the fun though is that we're we are getting a chance to see these see this battle play out in real time and by getting to comment on it I hope that uh, here on this podcast our listeners get to see that we are as intrigued as you are to see what's going to happen yeah, totally. Um, um, do you have your picks yeah. to win yet? No, I don't. I haven't. <laughs> I know that's great content here. Uh, I, I'm. The, I'm still real. The I'm listeners really, get what they get. Listen, yeah. I, I want. I want to hear. I want to hear what you at least are thinking about it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I might. I, I might go Rom. Um, he. I picked Rose last week. It was between Rom and Rose for me last week. Obviously, Rom won here in was it seventeen? I think. Yeah. Uh, he's. I mean, he's just playing so well right now. He's playing at such a high level, so consistently. Uh, so yeah, I'm. I might go with him, um, but I don't know yet. I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to dive into it a little, a little more. But I, I. That that would be a, my off the top of my head pick. Okay, I'm gonna go Rory. Wow, let's go. Is this is this the place for him though? No, not at all. What a rough, what a not not super wide fairways. But if he comes out and just uh just dusts everyone, what a great curveball mm. for the season. Yeah, we've been so comfortable with Rory as a um. With Rory as a reoccurring character, he has not been the. When when's the when's the last tournament where it felt like Rory's been the top build star in terms of uh, the way that we're talking about it in terms of who's in contention to win? I know it, it does feel like he's been just sort of relegated to. I, I don't <clears throat> I don't mean this negatively, but just kind of one of the guys, right? I mean, it's, just, if, if this is a sitcom, Rory just comes in the door and then everybody cheers because Rory's back. But Rory is not where the camera starts and finishes scenes. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Do you do you think that the only way for him? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is unfair. Do you think the formula for him right now is? <clears throat> okay, so he shoots a 65 on Thursday on the North Course, and then maybe like a like a 69 on Friday on the South, and he's leading by like three, and then he backs it up on the South on Saturday. He's up four going into Sunday, and then just kind of like defends it coming home. Is that is that the formula for him right now? Because I feel like he gets into these positions where he's one back or he's tied or whatever, and then he just doesn't have he just doesn't have it on Sunday. And, and I'm I. I'm curious to see what would happen if it was if it was flipped to where he was like very much in control of an event because it's been a while since we've seen that. We haven't seen him. Well, you're describing Tiger style. Yeah, yeah, I am. And and we haven't seen I mean we saw that a lot from Rory earlier in his career whether it was uh the PGA and uh what was it 12 uh the US Open obviously in 11 
uh, we saw a lot of different kind of iterations of that where he was just lights out the first couple of days. It was almost the Martin Keimer at Pinehurst thing. And you're like, well, this thing's over. Right. I mean, this is this is this is a wrap. Like, why am I even covering the last two days? And I'm I'm wondering if that's the formula for him right now to maybe get him not back on track, but just kind of more as like that um, top build guy that you're talking about. Uh, anything else from the notebook that you're excited about? Um, no, I think that's it. Uh, by the way, Bryson, Bryson's skipping out on, uh, on PJ tour. He's going, uh, Dubai this week. Wow. He, he, he sees that, uh, he sees that Dubai Augusta stat and just, he's just all over it. What's the Dubai Augusta stat? The, the Dubai Augusta is that Danny Willett won there in 16, won the masters in 16. Sergio won there in 17, won the masters in 17. And then Rory, uh, should have won there in 18 and uh, probably well not should have but could have won the masters in 18 <sighs> yeah so do, so uh bryson's going in as the favorite there uh he, he's he's looking at lapping the field and then just taking home the the green jacket in a couple months <laughs> bryson's like a real contender at I, yes of course bryson's a real contender at augusta it's just not the um it, it's it's not the the winner that I'm ready for. <laughs> I can't. I cannot wait until he's breaking down the air density at Amen Corner on Sunday, and it's like, bro, this is Sunday at Augusta. There, there it doesn't exist. Like, there is no, there is no air density. That is like that. Is, yes, I'm the other side of his scientific analytical world is like the the mystical the spiritual like everything that about is about augusta cannot be calculated in a 2i83 so i've been i've been joking with uh because my friends will come up uh, oh what's what's up with tiger what's up with speed you know i'm like i don't i don't know you tell me i have no idea and uh i've been joking with people that i talk to like Speed's definitely going to win the masters this year after all the after the last year and a half of just like being in his head and just what what's the deal like i just like it it would just be it would be very apropos if you won if you want to guess so i'm all in speed's gonna win let's go yeah that would be that would be awesome all right he is kyle porter you can follow him on twitter at kyle porter cbs you can follow me at chip underscore patterson kyle thank you very much thanks chip 